0: Here's the first line of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here's verse 46 of chapter 27 of the Gospel of Matthew. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A lot of people over the centuries have wondered why the hell Jesus exclaimed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Just before his death on the cross. It's widely believed that most of his contemporaries believed that Jesus was sent by God to build a new Jewish empire on earth. The people who laid down palms for him as he rode a donkey into Jerusalem yelled, Hosanna, which means save us now. The word now is critical. Jesus' followers in Jerusalem didn't understand that Jesus was about to die, that he wasn't going to build a new Jerusalem on earth. His goal was to build a kingdom of God, not a kingdom of people. If Jesus knew that he was indeed the Messiah, though, and not an earthly king, if he knew that he was God himself, why on earth would he proclaim, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Surely he knew that he was not forsaken by God. Surely he knew that as soon as he died, even though he would suffer horribly first, he would be just fine. We might explain this away by arguing that Jesus fell to his human side, that he had an emotional collapse, that part of his coming to earth as a man meant that in his last moments, he would be very human, very frail. But there's another explanation as to why Jesus uttered these specific words quoted from the first line of Psalm 22. First, we should note that in the Gospel of Matthew alone, Jesus quotes what we would call the Old Testament at least ten times. Some people count far more many Old Testament quotes by Jesus in Matthew. The point is that Jesus was a Jew. Hebrew scripture was well known to him. That's why we see him quoting Deuteronomy, Exodus, Genesis, the Psalms, and other Old Testament books. He often reinforces a point by referencing literature well known to those around him. Before we look at Psalm 22, here's something to keep in mind Hebrew poetry does not rhyme in English, and in fact, it does not rhyme in Hebrew. And while English poetry is engineered around sounds, Hebrew poetry is structured around thoughts or ideas, not sounds. Now let's look at Psalm 22, the first line of which Jesus utters while dying on the cross. Psalm 22 is in a series of Psalms, 21 to 31, that offer comfort when dealing with terrible situations. They assure us of God's steadfast love and empathy. They help us obtain serenity during troubled times. Many people consider Psalm 22 to be a prophecy of the crucifixion. The first four stanzas are a call for help. This covers the first 11 verses. Then the psalmist grows desperate. The psalmist is cornered, encircled by evil. Death will come, surely. But then the psalm becomes glorious in tone. The psalmist turns his thoughts to other people and not just himself. He prays that others will be rescued, that it won't be just him who is relieved of his affliction. The psalmist prays that all people will become people of God and will be delivered from all that makes them suffer. Here's a highly abridged version of that psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, in our fathers trusted. To you they cried and were rescued. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me. You who fear the Lord, praise him. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when I cried to him. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kings belong to the Lord, and he rules over the nations." They shall come and proclaim his righteousness. So the argument that many have made is that by quoting just the first line of this psalm, Jesus is actually invoking the entire psalm, which his followers would certainly know. Jesus knows that in times of great suffering, God will do what God always does, and that's come to our aid. God will always listen. God will give us peace no matter how we're suffering. We're so confident of this, in fact, that we pray that all people everywhere will come to embrace God. Psalms is a very long book, and in fact it is typically broken into five smaller, quote, books. It's not known why the book of Psalms was broken into these five books, The division is based on something other than authorship or chronology. There have been attempts at making these five groups logical by pointing out that Book 4 consists mostly of worship psalms, Book 5 mostly about praise and worship, Books 2 and 3 are mostly national in nature, and psalms in Book 1 are mostly personal. Another guess is that the five books of the Psalms correspond loosely in spiritual focus to the five books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But the divisions seem to be more arbitrary than that, and so we tend to ignore them. The only real point we need to make is that the five divisions are quite ancient, The Psalms themselves can be broken into the following categories, though, which do not correspond to the five books. Praise, otherwise known as hymns. Lament, which are prayers offered to God during difficult times. Thanksgiving, which are similar to praise but talk specifically about God's goodness and often tell stories about prayers that have been answered. Confidence, which describe the author's trust in God. Kingship, each of which focuses on a specific Israelite king or God as king. Remembrance, which tell all about the history of God's presence on earth. And wisdom, which are similar in focus to the Proverbs or the content of Ecclesiastes. Depending on our situation, We might want to do what Jesus did, and that's to turn to a psalm whenever we're at a turning point in life, in a moment of crisis, or in a moment of reflection. These categories can help us find an appropriate psalm. There are many good commentaries that categorize and summarize the 150 psalms. Some of the psalms are attributed to King David. We don't know who actually wrote them. Let's look at one of the shorter ones that are said to be written by him. Psalm 142 tells us what to do when we feel that we are not understood or appreciated. This psalm tells us that no one knows us any better than God, and so that's who we should turn to for validation. God's always there, listening and prepared to help. God wants a relationship with us. Here's Psalm 142, which is very short. I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. Let's consider another short psalm, number 67. It's a prayer of blessing, asking God to shine his face upon us. The psalm tells us joyously that God is just and that God will guide all people. The word Sela, by the way, probably calls for a break in the singing of the psalm, but we really don't know what that word means. May God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us, Sela. May your words be known throughout the earth. Your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the world sing joy for you. Because you govern the nations with justice, you guide the people of the whole earth, Sela. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest. And God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us, and people all over the world will fear him. Let's look at a piece of a longer psalm, number 119. These lines honor God as the creator of the laws that we follow, the laws that are more important than the laws of humans. In this segment, the psalmist proclaims that by living in accordance to the laws of God and by turning away from the things of this world, we will find true, joyful life. Teach me your decrees, O Lord, I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me abandon my shameful ways, for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he didn't have the human energy to sing out an entire psalm. But he gave us the first line of a psalm to tell us what he had to say to God the Father at that moment in time. If it's good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. When we're in need of communicating directly to God, to ask for healing, for a release from anxiety, for forgiveness for having done something horrible, or to express our thankfulness for God's promise of joy here on earth and for all of eternity, we can turn to the Psalms as a source of stunning prayers. By the way, most of what I've read to you today comes from the New Living Translation, which a lot of people find easier to understand. And so it might be a good place to go to if you want to read some Psalms. However, some of the traditional passages that a lot of us are familiar with are not translated the same way that we're used to. And so there are times when you might want to turn to a a more traditional translation. I'd like to finish with a piece of a psalm that I often offer up to God. It's a prayer of strength. I say it when I'm facing something challenging or something scary. I offer these two lines from the beginning of Psalm 62 when I need God's reassurance, that no matter what happens right now, everything is gonna be just fine. I offered these two lines to God when our first child, Martina, was born, and she was in serious medical danger. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. And by the way, Martina is just fine. The next time you need to talk to God, though, grab yourself a psalm. Amen.